0: Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit SolidRockChurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. I want to start by saying a few, a couple of things before I get into my message. Address a few things. As a pastor of this house, I am fully aware. My eyes are open. I fully know what is happening. I've said it one time. I've probably said it a hundred times. But in this day and age, you've got to repeat it or people don't believe that you believe this. I know this virus is very real. I know it is very real. And I know that it is attacking people. And people have been very sick. Many of our loved ones have died. There are people that we know right now that are battling it right now. I know multiple people that are battling right now. In fact, I know more people battling in this wave than I did the first wave. So it's very real. So I'm not denying anything that is happening. But I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I have a mandate from God to preach what God's Word said. And that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach what God's Word said. And I told you a few weeks ago, That I I always need you to pray for me. I pray for you. We need to be praying for each other. But I told you a few weeks ago that I felt like it was very soon that they were going to come after me. And it has begun. Uh, So I'm getting private messages. I'm getting public posts. uh, Things about our church. And I don't even want to give the devil any place. In fact, as they continue to come... I'm probably not even going to comment on them again because I'm not going to give place to the devil. Are you? I'll hear me. Okay, but I need you to pray for me, and I need you to know that not only are they coming after me, they're coming after you. And uh, already, this morning, we received two very nasty, nothing to do with COVID, but just trying to say that you're not a loving church. That. Your pastor's full of himself, and this, this church is, is, is not anything that we know it is. And it's on our Google review and all this, and trying to do everything they can do to begin to bring down the rating of our church and of our ministry, so that when people are hungry and looking for God and searching for a church, and they find us, that they will see negative reviews instead of positive reviews. And caused them not to come. Are y'all hearing me? That's the world we live in. We're not going to be mandated by this. I'm not going to change the way I preach because of what somebody says on Google or Facebook. Amen? But I'm trying to tell you, this is the world we live in. They've already started. I mean, it was some pretty nasty stuff they said about this church. Supposedly by someone that, quote, unquote, you never know because they live behind. Oh, by the way, his name is John Doe. And, And, yeah, yeah. But he calls my name. And he, he says he went to this church or she went to this church for years and began to talk about how bad they were treated by people, how, how full of myself I am and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, it, am I going to say that don't read stuff like that? It don't hurt? That would be a lie. We're human. Amen? Because we know the truth. So what I'm trying to tell you is this: whether you do this or not, I don't need you to do this. But I think we need to flip this thing on the devil. And and, and if you got a way to go to Google and give a five star review, and you're watching online, if this church is a blessing to you, and you you just we just need to overshadow what the enemy's trying to say about our church. So uh, so if you find a place where you can review your church, if you ain't never done it, go review your church and tell the church. Don't don't say nothing about these negative reviews. Don't even don't even acknowledge them. Just and you share from your heart, you know, what your experience is. And if your experience is negative, then, then share it as negative. And this is, this is the response that we said is, I hope that before you left this church, whoever you are, because I don't know your name, uh, because you wouldn't give us your name, uh, I hope you spent time to sit down with your pastor and ask him any questions any, and taught him any concerns that you had. Because I want you to know, if you do have questions and concerns, I'm, I'm available. Just ask me. And, and our leaders are available, uh, but that's usually not the way people do it. When they leave, they, they leave and they hide behind that and they want to uh, burn the bridge down as they go. So this is the last time I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm just going to say as we go forward and as they begin to try to shut churches down, because you better know they're going to try to do it. You better know it. It's coming this fall and this winter. It's coming the late fall and early winter. There will be a move for a national mandated, from the president, national mandated shutdown. It is coming. And uh, we're not shutting down. So I'm just going to tell you right now, we're not shutting down. So when that happens, when that happens, this is very small compared. The last time that everything shut down, we shut down. For nine weeks, we shut down. Well, there's another big church that has the same name as us in another state. Uh, they didn't shut down. And uh, so they've done a Google search, and they thought we was at church because their name is Solid Rock Church, too. We literally, I'm not exact, uh, we got death threats on our voicemail at the church here. Death threats. We had one lady leave a message saying, I hope every single member of your church contracts COVID and dies. That's what they said on our voicemail at our church. That's the kind of stuff we were getting two weeks into the shutdown. So you better know it's coming. So you you need to have your eyes wide open and your prayer life intact. Okay? So that being said, is that okay that I shared that this morning? I'm not talking about that mess anymore. What you do with it, you do with it. I'm just trying to warn you what's coming. It's time for me to preach. Y'all ready? Here we go. All right. So we're in the book of Hebrews in our study called greater, because Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than any other so-called little G God. He's the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and no man gets to the Father except by Him. And I'm telling you, line upon line upon line, the beginning of the book of Hebrews is laying out to the Hebrew people how much Jesus is greater than any religious thing or religious person that they've ever put up on a pedestal. Well, then he really, the writer really gets in some hot water uh, as he gets into chapter 3 because he deals with what we would call, ironically, a sacred cow. Because the, te- the term sacred cow of course comes from when the children of Israel, when Moses was up on the mountain and the, the children of Israel were down there with Aaron and they melted all their gold and turned it into a golden calf. Do y'all remember that? And then they begin to worship that golden calf. Well, sometimes you got to kick over what you call a sacred cow, but watch this: that one of their sacred cows is Moses, because Moses is considered to be the greatest pastor, prophet, uh, and the, of course the one that received the covenant from God. He is in their day and time uh, was the most revered. The two most revered men in all of the Hebrew life was Moses and Elijah. These two were the most revered, revered men, and to this day they're still revered. So you can imagine someone who doesn't accept jesus messiah how tore up to this day they would be tore up by what i'm about to read to you are you ready hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says this therefore holy brethren Partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Now, that was a good little intro warming him up, and then he hits him. Verse 3, for this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Come on, somebody inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. Oh, my God, y'all didn't hear me. The one that built the house should get more honor than the house itself. Oh, i honor the house of God. But the reason I honor the house of God is because it's God's house. I don't honor it because it's the house I get to preach in. I honored the, the house of God when I was a kid. I honored it when I was a teenager. I honored it even when I was backslidden. My God, because I was, on, I was taught to honor the house of God. Inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house, what's this, is built by someone. But he who built all things is God. I built my house, but God also built my house. You built your house, or you bought your house from somebody that built your house, but that house was only able to build because God made trees. And he made the stuff to make nails. And then he made the people that had the tool belts on. Come on. He made the trucks that delivered the material. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything is here because of God. We told you last week, the book of Hebrews said, all things were created by him and nothing was created that was not created by him. They're all held up by him. So yeah, you might have swung the hammer. You might have built your house, but God built you. So God should get more glory than even you in your own house. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. I know you're the priest of your home, iron men. Come on. I got some iron men in the house. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Y'all, y'all, y'all know what we did Friday night and Saturday morning. Here we go. One, two, three. I am a man of God. Say it again. One, two, three. I am a man of God. He who built the house has more water in the house. Now watch this. Verse five. And Moses indeed was faithful. In all his house as a servant. Watch this. Moses was the leader of a church that ran almost 2 million people. But God said in that role of leadership, he was still a servant. If your pastor is not a servant, you need to get a new pastor. Microphone cut out. I think I need to say it again. I said, if your pastor is not a servant, you need a new pastor. You need a pastor who is a shepherd of sheep but remembers that he is also a sheep. That's why I say in our network all the time every pastor needs a pastor. If you're a pastor and you can't name your pastor, you're not a servant. You have now forgotten that you are also still a sheep. You are serving under the chief shepherd. The Lord is my, I shall not want. Well, that's what some people ask. Well, bless God, I don't need a pastor. God is my pastor. Well, okay, God's everybody's pastor, but you still need a pastor here on this earth. He, uh, he carries out His will, and He operates through human beings. Do you believe that it is God who heals you? Huh? But how does He heal you? How does He say the healing is going to happen? He says, you shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Did you heal them when you laid your hands on them? No. Do, you don't have, I know what you're saying, but no. No. Never. I know what you mean, But no, you don't ever heal anybody. God uses you to heal other people, but it's never you. Can I get an amen? God can use your hands to do it. Come on, but it's God. In fact, fact, I'll just tell you right now. The Bible says, give and it shall be given to you. Press down, good measure, shaken together, running over. Those are the blessings of God, but it doesn't stop there. How does those blessings of God get to you? The The next part of that verse is, shall men or humans give to you? So in other words, when I want to bless you, when I want your cup to run over, when I want to bless you financially, I don't rain money out of heaven. I move on someone or something that's run by someone to bless you. Am I preaching good this morning? So Moses had to understand. He was the man that was in charge on earth. But if you'll study Moses, you'll find that he always tried to spend time with God before he ever told Aaron or anybody else to do something. Now, he messed up just like any other human, lost his temper at times, got out of the will of God, but for the most part, he did. He moved and operated as God told him to move and operate. In fact, when he asked God to show him his glory, he said, let me tell you something, I'll just be honest with you, I'm not even going to move unless you move before me. He said, I'm not going anywhere unless your glory goes before me. That's the heart of a servant. Moses was faithful in all his houses a servant. Watch this, comma, for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. Wow. So he served God, obeyed God. Remember, God told Moses exactly, to exact specifications, how to build the Ark of the Covenant. He told him exact specifications, how high the veil would be, how thick the fabric would be, how many loops there would be holding the... I mean, it was so intricate. When you're doing your daily Bible reading, you read that. If you don't watch yourself, you'll find yourself just checking out. Because it is some of the most minute details. I'm talking about down to the square inch. And you're like, why? Did he, why didn't he just say, hey, big, meal, build room, big room, make it at least 100 by 100, something like that? No, he told them exactly this is where this part will start and it will stop. This is where the next thing, when you make this table of showbread, I want you to take so many paces in, take so many paces to your left, set the table right there. Why was he so specific? I'll get to that in just a minute and certainly as we go through the study of Hebrews. But, but the question I want to ask you is this. How many knows those, Moses could have went his own way and done it pretty close to what God said, but he was faithful to do it exactly the way God said. Here's why. Because Moses had heard from God and knew from God that everything that he was building and doing and operating in was all pointing to something or someone that would come after him. When you study the tabernacle, that was in that was built in the, in the wilderness, when you study the outside curtain, how many poles there were, when you study the outer court, what was in the outer court, when you study the inner court, what was in the inner court, when you study the Holy of Holies, what was in the Holy of Holies, when you study how the priest had to be dressed, when you study how the priest had to walk, how he had to progress, what he had to do in order to make his way to the Holy of Holies. When you study the angels, when you study the mercy seat, when you see the angels wings, touching the cherubim touching when you study all these things you see the lamb you see how the lamb of the blood of the lamb had to be slain you see how it was put over the doorpost called Passover you see all of these things that happened in the Old Testament and then you begin to study the Messiah Jesus you find that every single thing that was in that Moses was faithful to serve and to do in the Old Testament were all breaking down explaining and pointing to one not perfect. Not not one event, but one person. The man, Jesus Christ. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. But Christ, let me back up. For a testimony, Moses served. For a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. A better covenant based on better principles. But Christ, verse 6, as a son over his own house whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence of the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Woo! See, everybody wants to think that just as long as you love the good Lord, you're assured to make it into heaven. Let me help you what the Word of God says. The Word of God said, Jesus said this, Not every man that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. You can believe in God all you want to, but if you ain't serving Jesus, you ain't going to make it to heaven. Moses faithfully served. And he uses Moses as an example because he knew the prominence that Moses had in the Hebrew people's life. But then he said, but Christ as a son, Christ the Messiah as a son, he is God. But when he became man, he became the son of God, the flesh. Are y'all hearing me? I've already covered that in previous weeks. Go back and listen to the podcast. But Christ, as a son, over his own house. How I many of he didn't build a tabernacle in the wilderness. He built something called a church. He told Peter, this, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. He established the church in Acts chapter 2 when Peter stood up and said, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Another example of Old Testament speaking forward to what would come afterward. Are y'all hearing me? He says, but he as a son over his own house, whose house we are. So I made a post this morning, and I just sort of made it a little silly post to see how many people would get it. I said something like, hey, church, how about all us churches that keep telling us we're the church, meaning us personally, all meet together with other churches in a church and let's have church. Some of y'all got it, some of y'all didn't have it. Because that's what happens. Every Sunday morning, you make a post. Any pastor makes a post like, let's go to church. Without fail, you got two or three of them and say, I don't need to go to the church. I am the church. I have church right here in my house. I'm tired of hypocrites. I tried church. you start here. I tried church. They'll give you a diatribe about this long. About the problem with the church and how they are the church. So I just thought I'd say, well, you know what? Okay, you are the church. I'm the church. How about you? How about you as a church and me as a church and all these rest of the church? All us churches just get together and go to a church and have church. Because if you can have church with just you as a church, just think how much more church you can have with other churches in a church. A lot of church right there, brother. There's a lot of churches in here right now. My God, look at all these churches. One thing that's interesting to me about this passage of scripture is that Jesus referred to as apostle and high priest of our confession. He is not the apostle and high priest of those who have not confessed Him as Lord and Savior. I hate to bust your bubble. God loves the world, but He's not everyone's. Apostle and high priest. He's not forever interceding on behalf of the sinners. That's never accepted him. In fact, oh, y'all don't want me to say it, but somebody needs to say it in this day and age because we're in a a day and age now where preachers are teaching you that God just loves you so much that everybody's good. Ultimately, we're all going to be okay because God is such a loving God. I've already told you what Jesus said. when He says, not everyone that says, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. I know, he's already said that. But then I'll tell you this. He says, if you confess with your, Lord, your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So in other words, the children of God are those that are forgiven. So God answers the prayers of a sinner. He answers the prayer of a sinner Will you forgive me of my sins and be my Lord? And the answer of the Lord is yes and Amen to that sinner. But if you're if you've openly decided you're not going to live for God, you're one of those guys that, one of those ladies that just don't want to have anything to do with God. And, they want, and you're trying to witness them. You've you've met these people and they say, Well, look, I don't I'm not a religious person. I, I mean, I just don't I don't you know believe you know y'all y'all try to say y'all the only way and everything. I'll just tell you this right now. I do believe there is a God and I pray to Him every night. Before I go to bed, every night before I go to bed, before I lay down, you know, I ask the Lord to take care, ask God to take care of me, the universe to take care of my kids. Hmm? Some of them even just say, even, some of them even say, Jesus, I ask the Lord, Jesus to, you know, to take care of my, my kids and all this every night. But I don't want to have anything to do with your church because I don't want to have anything to do with somebody that isolates themselves and says their God is the only way. Well, let me tell you something right now. You can, you can pray all you want till you're blue in the face. God's favor and God's blessings are reserved for his children. You can, you can like it or not like it, but that's in the Bible. You study the Bible. God's favor, I'm talking about favor, not love, not grace, not mercy. That's available to every human being. But his favor is on his children. I got five people that understand what I just said. I, you ought to be excited because you're a child of God, right? His favor is reserved for his children. And for his children, he is the high priest of those who are serving him. See, I'm, I'm going to mess some of y'all up right here. For a sinner who's never been born again, he is your Savior. But for a son or a daughter who sins, because how many of those, just because you're a Christian don't mean you're never going to sin again? He is your advocate. The Bible says if you sin, you have an advocate before the Father. Now that doesn't mean He condones your sin. That means the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, he becomes your priest and mediates on your behalf while he's convicting you. That's what the Bible says. So, the advocate, that paraclete, that lawyer, that legal representation between you and God the Father, Jehovah God, is reserved for his children, not for sinners. He's sitting in the same seat, but when a sinner prays to him in prayer of forgiveness, he forgives them their sins, puts their names in the Lamb's book of life, and he becomes their lawyer. Huh? Are y'all hearing me? Oh, yeah, I know. I'm preaching controversial stuff. I don't care. I'm just preaching the Bible. The Bible's controversial. Jesus, say this but Jesus, is greater than Moses. That don't sound controversial to you, but that was pretty controversial then. That was huge then. Remember when they used to bring up Abraham to Jesus? Well, I hear what you say. They'd say, I hear what you say, but this is what Moses said. I hear what you're saying, but Moses said this. I hear what you're saying, but Abraham said this. One time Jesus got tired of it. He said, let me just tell you something. Before Abraham was, I am. Come on, before Moses was, I am. Come on, that's the sacred name of God. He didn't say, because it sounds like improper English. He should have said in the natural, before Abraham was, I was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Come on, are you hear me? Because I am is the secret name of God. It's the same name that Moses, when Moses was looking at the fiery bush, the burning bush, and God told him through the fiery bush to go tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. He said, they're going to ask me who sent me, what kind of God I serve, whom shall I say sent me? He said, you say to them, I am has sent thee. He was already letting them know. Moses is awesome, but Moses only does what I am tells him to do. Moses is only anointed because I am anointed him. Come on. Oh, we don't know the way to go. We don't know the way to go. Oh, you know the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man gets to the Father except by me. <laughs> you can't get there from rubbing fat Buddha's statue out in your Chinese favorite Chinese restaurant? <laughs> I laugh every time I check out and I see Buddha sitting there looking at me. I laugh. First of all, you need to lose weight. Second of all, no, I'm just kidding. Second of all, all you got. All you got is you a ceramic statue that somebody puts up on their shelf and burns a candle to you. I don't need some ceramic Jesus sitting up on my mantle. I got him inside my heart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. I've had an encounter with my living God. He's the builder of the house. He's the builder of the tabernacle that Moses served in. He's the builder of Solomon's temple. He's the builder of Herod's temple. He's the builder of the church that were 120 that was in the upper room that launched something called the church that 2,000 years later. Let me tell you, there ain't never been a building ever built that's lived that survived longer than 2,000 years. I'm talking about in its original fine structure in which it was built. You might uncover a, a wall somewhere. You might find a house that's 1,000 years old, but I'm going to tell you something. You better be real careful with it, because if you really try to start living in it, it's going to crumble. And it's going to fall. But not only has this house survived for over two thousand years since Acts chapter two, my God, it's represented. It's got it's got structures in every continent of the world. It's got it's got church buildings in every nation of this world, in every nationality, in every tongue, and in every race. You will find the house that God built. <laughs> oh, His builder who's not a builder of that was built by man's hands but his builder and his maker was God. I feel God right now. Chapter 3 verse 7 says therefore as the Holy Spirit says today if you will hear my voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion he's still talking about Moses in the day of the trial in the wilderness where your fathers Tested me. Listen to what God is saying. Tested me. Tried me. And, but saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. So I swore my wrath. They shall not enter into my rest. Now understand that word rest, is a this entire, in fact, that entire passage is a quote from Psalm 95. You go back and look at Psalm 95, you will read, that was a Mosaic psalm, Psalm 95. So the writer of Hebrews knew that they would know exactly what he was quoting. This was not a new word. This was a reminder of a word and a rebuke that was written by a Mosaic psalm, Psalm 95. Quoted word for word. You can go back later and read it. But he talks about what happened in the wilderness. And when he talks about my rest, that word rest means the promised land. He was not talking about heaven per se. He was talking about the promised land. So if you know the story, you know that it's mind-boggling that every single person except two men Joshua and Caleb every single person that came out as a result of the ten plagues of Egypt died in the wilderness and never went into the promised land every single one of them. in fact the only reason that the two Joshua and Caleb went in is because when they went in they were one of the twelve spies they were the only two that came back and told Moses we can take them the only two quite frankly that was not living by fear the others came back and called themselves grasshoppers and that there was giants on the other side of that wall of Jericho and it was a stupid thing. We needed to do what? Listen, do you understand what was happening? They were racing chariots. The walls were so big. They were racing chariots on the top of that Jericho wall. They were standing on the outside screaming at the children of Israel, mocking them, saying, "You do you really want to disobey This mandate, are you hearing me? You, This wall was built to keep you out, so you might as well just keep the peace. You've got a place to worship. You can just worship right here. Remember what they told us when they shut us down? We're not telling you to worship. You can still worship online. It's not the same, but I'm going to tell you something else beyond the fact that it's not the same. They really were telling us not to worship because the ones that told us that already know how the mind works. There is zero way Zero way. And I know many of you did the best you could. There is zero way you can even have your whole family sitting around your TV watching church live on YouTube, dressed in church clothes, you ain't eating no popcorn, nothing. You face, you folks ready to worship. There is zero way that your mind can completely stay focused uh, and, and not be distracted. Watch especially on a smartphone because you're getting notifications all the time. It's distra- you cannot do it. So they knew it was the beginning of the distraction. The beginning of training us, mobilizing us, and programming us to accept a new normal. To just go ahead and be happy on this side of the wall. You don't necessarily have to have church to be on the other side of the wall. But the difference between Joshua and Caleb and the rest of them is that God told them they were going to live on the other side of that wall. And it didn't matter what the people on top of the wall said. God said, that's where you're going to live. God said, that's what you're going to do. They had a word on it, and they stood on that word. God, i tell you something. It's time for this church, this church and the church, to get a word on it and stand on that word. No matter what you hear, no matter what you feel, you better have a word. Heard on it because they're coming after you they've already said they're coming after your children they're coming after your grandchildren they're trying to confuse your children to what gender they are they're trying to confuse your children on, on who they should be a loyal to who should be that, that you i'm talking about we got we got listen verizon i'm on verizon phone verizon gave sent me a message the other day and you know i got i got that disney plus thing i like Basically, I only got it because I like to watch the Avengers and, and uh, my, my grandbaby likes to watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. That's about it. And, and uh, so, so, so I'm paying for that. They sent me a little notification said, hey, $5 more a month, we'll give you all this more stuff uh, on, your, on your phone, which was a really good deal. And then we'll include Disney, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for free. For life. And I'm like, that's a no-brainer. Five dollars more. I'm paying more than that for Disney Plus. So I'm still going to keep Disney Plus. Now I got Hulu. Now I got ESPN Plus. When I want to watch something on ESPN, the sports, trying to make me pay for something, I ain't got to pay them. I can just watch it. So in my mind, I was convinced. So I get on Hulu. Never had Hulu. I don't know if y'all got Hulu. Got on Hulu, started scrolling through Hulu, seeing what they had to offer. Let me tell you what I found on Hulu. I found a show that's a series called something like Baby trans ba- baby um, what do they call them when they do when they perform, men performers women, what do they call the drag queens. Baby, baby drag' is what it's called. And this series follows a group of middle schoolers who are already professional drag queens that are performing in bars. I'm like, no. No. I'm going to tell you something right now. I mean this with all my heart with as much respect as I can. I'm going to say it. I might as well say it. I'm already going to get all kinds of crap anyway. So I might as well just go ahead and say it. They ain't no middle schooler even knows barely what they're going to eat for lunch, especially what, they are, what their sexuality is. and what their, You want know me to tell you what that is? That's a mama and a daddy with a twisted mind. That ain't that kid. That kid don't even know who he is. That kid don't even know what a relationship is. And, and you promoting them and putting them in a bar with grown sick pedophile men trying, by God, are y'all hearing me? Trying to look at your baby. Wake up! This is happening. They are not hiding anymore. We are asleep at the wheel. Good right here on this side of the Jordan. I'm good, Pastor. I got a little spot here. I come in my house. I shut my door. You know, we we praise the Lord inside here. I know what's going on out there. I don't care what's going on out there. All I know is my house is sanctuary. I'm real good right here. I'm good, Pastor. Thank you. Okay, all right. I'm proud that you got that kind of bold stance. But how about this question? God didn't tell you to live right here. You didn't. You don't get to decide this is where you're going to act out. God said you're supposed to go through that wall. God said there's flowing with milk and honey over here. Are you 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 satisfied with eating just, uh, you know, drinking water and eating locusts over in this? Side? As long as you got a full belly, you're good. No, no, no. God said he don't want you to be satisfied with what you can find right here in your little world. If you'll just have faith, stand in front of that wall and shout when nobody else is shouting and do it like God told you, I'll take you to a place with flowing with milk and honey. You know why you need it flowing with milk and honey? If you don't want it for you, how about you decide to want it for your children? How about you decide to want it for your grandchildren? My God, how about you decide that you want to do something about this world so that the world of your grandkids is not the world it looks like it's headed to be? It is not over. Somebody get up on your feet and shout, it is not over. Shout it again, it is not over. Shout, I will not accept it. It is not over. Sit down. I just need y'all to stretch. Some of y'all is going to sleep. Let me tell you something. Say this with me. If I'm still alive, it ain't over. If I'm still alive, I'm still the priest of my home. If I'm still alive... My grandbaby is going to hear about Jesus. If I'm still alive, my children are going to hear about Jesus. I don't care if they're grown. I don't care if they got kids. I don't even care if my kids have got grandkids. They're still my kids. And when they see me, they're going to hear about Jesus. When they see me, they're going to see a man. that's standing in the gap between them and the devil. That Ric Flair noise coming on. Woo! I got to hurry. I'm going to be in this thing till 2022. I'm not kidding. I got to looking at it. And I was like, my God. This, this may take me through the new year. Come on. Come on. But how many of us are we getting some word? We getting some word. I'm not talking about bragging on me. I'm talking about the word. Hebrews is some meat, y'all. Whew. I want to be in his rest. I want to live in his promised land. I want, hmm, I don't want a glass of milk. I don't know about y'all, man, but when I got a chocolate chip cookie and a cold glass of milk, I feel the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? Huh? I love me a good glass of cold milk with chocolate chip cookie. But he said, it's going to sound funny, but this is what he said. He said, I want to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now now watch this. Milk is not created in a lab or it's not supposed to be. Nowadays I'm sure it is. Milk comes from where? Cows. Honey comes from where? Honeybees. So What he was saying is, I want to take you to a land with some supernatural cows. I feel sorry for the cows in Jericho, y'all. I feel sorry for the honeybees. Because in order to be flowing, it doesn't mean, he didn't say, I'm going to take you to a land where milk is on tap. Where you always got a place you can go and get you a glass. No, I want to take you to a place Where there's a river of milk. Huh? Some of y'all drinking it. Some of y'all might just want to get it and take a milk bath. Just don't take a milk bath in my river. Because I'm going to drink it. But what I'm trying to say is, that's all types of shadows. We don't know that we know that that's not little. What he was trying to say is I want to take you to a place that ain't just a moment where every time you eat a chocolate chip cookie, you get you a cold glass of milk. I want to take you to a place. Because watch this. Honey is pure energy. That is pure sugar. It is among of the most amazing things in the world. It is absolute instant energy. Right? Milk is absolutely, it's great tasting, but it has nutrients in it and it feeds the bones and the structure of the body. So, in other words, he says, I wanna take you to a place that is flowing and will always give you the substance that your structure and the body of your church and the body of your family and the stability of your home is always growing and getting stronger. And it's also a place when the world's trying to suck you dry. You've got a constant source of instant energy. Tell you something else about honey. Honey is the only food element in history that we know of that never spoils. Honey will not spoil. Honey can be put in a cabinet when you're a kid at, at, at your grandmama's house. Your grandma passes away and you're an adult, now you're about to be a papa yourself and somehow the house gets passed down to you and you ain't been in that cabinet for 50 years and you open it up and you find that honey. Now that might look nasty on the jar, but if you open that up and stick a spoon in it, it's still good. In fact, what's going to blow your mind is they have found honey in Egyptian tombs that were buried with pharaohs that are 4,000 years old. Honey that they pulled out, opened up the container, stuck their hands down in it and ate it and the honey was as good as it when it was put in the, in the tomb. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Yeah, that reminds me of a great church service we had in the old hay barn. When I was preaching about the honeycomb, and I just remember, while I was preaching about the honeycomb that Jonathan found, I remember that somebody had brought some honey into the church. And I looked back in the back of the church. I said, you got that honey jar with you? And I'm going to tell you, that's back in the Holy Ghost, wild Larry Ragnar. Y'all think I'm wild now, it's wild then. I said, bring that jar to me. I brought that jar to me. Next thing I know, by the time I come out of the anointing, I had taken the same spoon and fed everybody in the church from the same spoon out of the jar, and we all ate honey. <laughs> it happened, y'all. It happened but I think back on it now I'm like oh my God I can't number one I can't believe I did it number two I can't believe everybody let me do it I come by receiving the name of Jesus receiving the name of Jesus with the, with the same spoon y'all then I saw before the Holy Ghost I looked down the jar was empty I stuck my hand down in there and I grabbed that honeycomb and I pulled it out and I said some of y'all just want to eat the honey by a spoon but I want the honeycomb I shoved it in my mouth, started chewing it. About that time, I come out of the anointing. I was like, what have I done? We had this one leader in the church who's, she'll tell you, she's not a germaphobe, but she's very, very particular about washing her hands all the time and cleansing everything that's around her. And after church, she came to me and she said, did, did I just eat honey from the same honey jar as every single person in this place with the same spoon? I think I said something like, I don't know what you're talking about. So some of y'all scared. If you ever see me come out with a honey jar, (laughs) be afraid. Be very afraid. No, I don't think I'll ever do that again. But you never know. Chapter 3, verse 12 says, Beware, brethren. Lest there be any of you of evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is still called today. How many knows we ain't guaranteed tomorrow? In fact, can I give you a revelation that's pretty deep, but it's actually not deep, but it's so not deep it's deep. That was that was pretty deep right there. What's this? Tomorrow never arrives. Never. Never. Tomorrow never exists. It is only a word. Because the moment you get to tomorrow, it becomes what? Today. So why are you spending your time always worrying for something that doesn't even exist? You are scared to death of what's going to happen tomorrow. You need to live by faith today. Because you can change tomorrow by how you respond to tomorrow's fears today. Oh, I'm preaching better. Oh, we're going to get to that one. That's, that's many chapters later. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it is said. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your Hearts as in the rebellion. Of course, he's still speaking of the wilderness. I'm going to go quickly. That was sort of self-explanatory. Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't harden your heart. Verse 16. For who having heard rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Let me tell you what that means right there. It was mind boggling to the writer of Hebrews that the ones that are famously known to have rebelled were the ones that saw the greatest miracles anybody in the history of Israel had ever seen isn't it amazing it seems to be the more miracles and manifestations of God's glory we see the less amazing it becomes can I say this and understand that I'm not talking about me I'm not even talking about this praise team. I'm just talking about what God does in this house. You are so blessed in this house, you don't even know anymore how blessed you are. You have taken, when I say you, I mean me too. We have taken this for granted. This is not everywhere. If you've ever gone to another church, I'm telling you right now, I'm not judging any other church. I ain't speaking of any church in particular, but I'm telling you something right now. This kind of anointing, this kind of preaching, this kind of music, this quality of music, this anointing music, this kind of ministry in the altars, this kind of a spirit of praise and worship, is not everywhere. Oh, it is other places, but it's not everywhere. And I can't tell you the people that's gotten mad, got hurt, got offended because they didn't get their way and left the church and talked bad about us and tried to destroy us while they're gone. And then you know, six months, eight months, two years later, I look up in the middle of the service and there they are sliding in the back pew after church waiting for me, standing in the back of the church, asking my forgiveness, begging me if they can come back. And I look at them every single time and say, you don't have to ask me to forgive you at all. As far as I'm concerned, you were still family at the time you left and you're still family now. There's, there's no hard feelings on my part. There's no hard feelings about anybody in here. Pick up right where you left off. We love you. And they're just like, Every single time they're just like, but, but I said this. Well, I don't even remember what you're talking about. We're just happy to see you. And they, then they'll say things like, well, I'll just tell you right now, we tried this church, we tried that, we tried this church. And I'll just tell you right now, we're back because we ain't found nothing like solid rock. I'm just saying that I'm bragging on God. Watch this. How many of you will say right now that you spent a time, regardless of the reason, we don't care what the reason is, whether you moved away, jobs changed, whatever. You left Saw Rock and came back, and you realized that's why he came back, because I needed this church. Raise your hand. Look around. Look around. In every section, you've got hands going up. Okay, thank you. I want you all to see. You're sitting right next to people that attest to what I'm saying. We're blessed. We, but we've got to be careful. We've got to protect that anointing. And we can't let our eyes and our spirit man become used to miracles. I mean, you'll, we'll have a miracle service Will somebody get up here and say, well, I can tell you right now, I've, got, I've had sciatic pain my, for the last 10 years. I've never been in a church service in my life where my, sci, my sciatic nerve has not bothered me and hurt me. When Pastor prayed tonight or, or Brother Jim or Brother Mac prayed tonight, I felt the Holy Spirit's a warmth come in my body, and I felt that sciatic nerve loose. And I can tell you, for the first time in my life, I'm dancing before the Lord, and I have no sciatic pain. I'm going to tell you something. I mean this with respect. In a church of 75 to 100 people on that miracle service, you have 10 people clapping. And I'm like, I want to say, did you not hear what this person just said? We have become so used to it. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. No, we should be going, my God, wow. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Ten years they've been in pain. And in a moment, you healed them tonight. What a God we serve. We should be amazed, y'all. But we have... Become used to it. (laughs) It is normal. Yeah, that's right. We just think it's normal. And when new people come and they've never seen it, you see the amazement in their life because they're not used to it. And it's not normal to them. Well, I want miracles to be normal. But I don't ever want it to be taken for granted. Right? Come on, give the Lord a praise if you agree with what I just said. Now with whom has he had been angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who had sinned, whose corpse, were fell, whose corpse fell in the wilderness, and to whom he did swear that they would not enter into his rest? Meaning the promised land. But those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Can I tell you something? The most powerful force on this earth, force on this earth, besides the Holy Spirit, is a man or a woman of God who operates in faith and know who they are in God. Right? Now, we all think we all know that. But one of the most powerful forces against God and what he wants to do is unbelief. Faith moves God. Unbelief ties the hands of God. Jesus Christ, the Bible said, left a town and did not do great things because of their unbelief. Unbelief is not where God operates. God operates in In belief. Are y'all hearing me? Let's move on. I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read one passage of scripture to set you up for next week. Okay? Have you enjoyed this teaching? Come on. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 says this. I'm gonna read several scriptures. I'm gonna let you know this is the this is the word we're getting into next week. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Listen. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter into that rest. As he has said, so I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this way book of Genesis and God rested on the seventh day from all his works and again in this place they shall not enter into my rest talked about he he said he talked about rest first in the garden of Eden now he's talking about his rest referring to the children of Israel not entering into it and now he's talking about another rest which is the ultimate rest which all of those rests were all pointing towards verse 6 since therefore it remains that some must enter it And those to whom was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time as it has been said, today, if you will hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterward have spoken of another day. In other words, he said, as great as the promised land was that Joshua led them into, If it was the true rest that he intended for us to be in, there would not need be for anything beyond that moment. Even entering Jericho, the promised land, was a type and a shadow and a foreshadowing of the true rest that he desires for us to be in. I'm going to read that again. For if Joshua, meaning he's the one that led them into Jericho, had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. Joshua said, Word of God, Old Testament says, There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Do you receive that for your life? I received that for my life. I put that in capital bold letters. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. In other words, he says, and this is what I'm going to get into, it's going to be deep stuff next week. All of what I've spoke about that happened in the wilderness, all of what I've spoke about that happened at Jericho, all that I've spoken about of what Jericho was, And the promises of God. All of that pales in comparison to what all of that was trying to teach and illustrate that is to come. And he says, but here's the reality. There remains a rest for the people of God. But if you are disobedient just like them, you will not enter this rest either. God is looking for an obedient people. Can I get an amen? Can we give the Lord a praise right now for the Word of God? Let's bow our heads. Father, right now, as we speak over every man and woman, as we have preached the Word of God, as we have worshipped you, I know that your, your spirit has been moving in this house. It's been moving upon people and upon their hearts. God, only you know the state of a person's heart. I, do, I certainly do not. But God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare that if there is anyone in this building, in your name, Jesus, that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if there's anyone here who has had a relationship with you, God, and you know is more than even they know, they've walked away from that relationship, but your spirit is convicting them that it's time to rededicate their life to God. Whoever it is, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move upon them right now to make this the day that they are assured of that rest that the word of God spoke of today they are assured to see their loved ones again they are assured to see you Jesus face to face will every head is bowed and every eye is closed if that is you and you say pastor will you lead me in a prayer to make sure I'm not sure but I want to be sure that I'm right with God would you raise your hand is anybody wants me to pray that prayer with them? Thank you. Thank you. I see hands. Oh, my God, what a blessing. Is there anybody else? Come on. Don't be ashamed. This is the moment. This is the moment. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. People of all ages raising their hands. This is beautiful. Is there anybody else? Church, will you look up at me? Let me tell you, the most important part of every service is right here. There were four people varying in ages I'm not going to point them out I feel led of God to do it this way today varying in ages from probably 60's to teenager that said pastor I need to make sure my heart is right with God can you pray for me so church will you help me make sure that those four people and even those that wanted to raise their hand maybe it's you too afraid and too intimidated, but you want to make it right today. We want to to go home in peace today. Don't you want to lay your head down on the pillow tonight with peace? That something happened while you were asleep, something happened on your way home, something happened, whatever, to you, to your family. That your heart is right with God. How many wants that? Say amen. Let's pray this prayer, and let's pray with those folks. And you raised your hand. You pray that prayer. You trust and you believe that you're God, a God that you can't even see, but you can feel and you know He's here. You trust and you believe that He is hearing your words. The answer to your prayer is going to be yes and amen. Let's pray this out loud, everybody. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we come before you humbly and broken, admitting sin is in our lives. We have sinned. We're coming clean. We're admitting it and we're confessing it. Jesus, I'm asking you because you're the only one that can forgive my sins. I'm asking you, Jesus, to forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. I confess you and you alone as my Lord and my Savior. I know You love me, you care for me, you died for me, and you have forgiven me. So I leave here today with peace and joy, with my head held high, that what I did and what I've done is not who I am. I am forgiven. I am a child of God. Come on, give Him a praise right now. All over this house, give Him a praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. Come on, give Him a praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. Give Him praise. He's worthy. People just gave their heart back to God. He's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.